Good morning and welcome to Entrepreneur Realities, the podcast of the Venture Lab of the Munich Technical University. In this series, we will discuss with leading entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and intellectual authorities to illustrate many sides of entrepreneurship and inspire students at Tum and elsewhere to start their own entrepreneurial journey. My name is Antoine Leboyer. I'm the managing director of the Software and AI Tum Venture Lab, and we are joined today with Andreas Unseld. Andreas has double degree from Tum, an engineering degree as well as an MBA, and he's a partner of the venture arm, venture capital arm of YouTube and board member of quite a number of impressive companies. Andreas, welcome to the podcast. Can I ask you to introduce yourself and explain also the student how you started as an engineer, but then you went into venture capital? Yes, of course. Hi, everyone. Very nice to be you, Antoine. Thanks for having me. Um, honestly, it was straightforward how I came to venture capital. So when I finished school, um, I already thought of becoming an entrepreneur. That was in 1998 and some so like the, the dot-com bubble just started starting. And I was always um, amazed by, by software. And I tried to start my, um, my own venture with the age of 16, which obviously didn't work back then. So I started a small venture. Basically, we helped small and medium-sized companies to get access to the internet, which was not common that time. And we had really a couple of clients and we built special firewall solutions because you couldn't buy standard hardware and software for that. And that went good. The problem was only that in parallel, I was studying computer, uh, studying computer science and I failed all my exams. And my parents who are both academics, both PhDs weren't too happy about this, honestly. And they took me aside and said, look, Andreas, it, it's nice that you're doing your own company and everything, but in Germany, you, you need an academic degree and nothing else will work. Back then, okay, I believed them and probably this was also the right thing to do. Um, so I focused again on my studies and basically stopped my entrepreneurial activities um, or let them run out. And Actually, already in this time, I met Helmut, who is also today the CEO of the Unternehmertum. And we were talking and he said, well, look, you're an interesting guy. Um, do you want to do a project study for me? Um, we want to find out how we can engage students to be more entrepreneurial over a digital channel. And I sort of wrote a concept together with friends for him. And after this, I said, hey, do you want to start at Ontonimotum as a working student? And I said, well, I was making more than 100 euros or DMARCs back then um, per hour when, when, I, when, when I did my service business. And yes, I see it sort of as a social engagement to help you out there for as a working student for, I don't know, uh, 15 DMARCs or whatever it was back then. <laughs> <laughs> But I also said myself, well, it's the, the setup is very interesting. And, and it sounds logic to, to, to everyone today. But back then, we were in an entrepreneurial desert. And everybody were telling you entrepreneurship is that. And by the way, also IT is that. Um, because nobody needs those guys. And all with this internet, it was a little bit crazy. But you see where it ends. Um, and... Um, but, but I was amazed by the idea that there's, there's a place where there's lots of technology, lots of bright people, and a center that 
basically could help those people become entrepreneurs and, and change the world. And I just wanted to be part of it. Um, so, so, so I started, started there as a working student and, and this, this, this came to a really good relationship. Um, I was mainly focusing on my studies and then also completed my, um, my master's or diploma in, in, in computer science quite quickly and um, asked myself, okay, what to do next? And um, there was a pretty interesting MBA program that time at TUM. I said, well, that, that, that would really interest me because yes, I love computer science, but, but I also... I'm also interested in management. And I asked Helmut, would it be able to, would I be able to work part-time for Ontonematum, like 50% of my time, and do the MBA? I think I, I was kind of kind of arrogant back then because I thought, well, if if you study computer science, an MBA is just a piece of cake. It wasn't, it was actually really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, one was hard? Um, oh. do, doing both, okay. do, doing both, but also like the MBA it turns out that the MBA is basically a complete diploma in, in, uh, uh, in management, which took you normally four to five years and it was just compressed in two years and it was assumed that you can do it in two years. Um, so, so it, it, that was tough, but it was also really educating. And um, during this, we developed like the idea of back then Unternehmertum was, was basically doing education. So you had like your entrepreneurial classes, you already had managed more, but, but nothing else. And, and Helmut asked me then to write a concept about how could we really foster entrepreneurship in terms of support entrepreneurs. And I was able to... Uh, with the money of Unternehmertum, fly around the world and visit several universities who, who, who is doing this well. So I was at Imperial College. I found a really interesting place in Spain who, who, who did a great concept. I, um, I was in, uh, at, uh, at Cambridge and, and looked at their system. UK or US? Uh, in, in UK. Okay. And um, then I wrote my, um, my math thesis in the MBA about how to set up basically um, the, the entrepreneurship ecosystem at, 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 at Unternehmertum. And I had basically described two concepts. The, the one concept was, okay, we need to identify technologies early on and help them to form team or, or help scientists to form teams around that and spin out companies and do sort of a technology transfer by startups. And the second, second thing was, okay, we need a known fund. And um, then Helmut gave me a full-time employment and I just set up the first thing. So we did lots of technology scouting and really educated scientists that they can become entrepreneurs. And that was also a fun experience because everybody told me that's, that will not be possible because the scientist is not an entrepreneur. I said, no, you're wrong because basically the scientist is trying to do the undoable, to, to basically solve a problem that not has been solved until now. And he needs to finance that. So he needs to fundraise all the time. And basically that's the same thing an entrepreneur does, maybe in a little bit different domain, um, but there are comparables. And we figured out that yes, you can turn not every scientist, but you can turn lots of scientists into entrepreneurs. Now, at UVC, you have a number of focus. So how would you, and this is something that we, we tell the students and the teams that need to be knocking at the door of uh, venture capital firms, look at what, what they do, what is their focus? So what type of projects are you uh, looking at and funding? 
Yeah. Um, so we at UVC quickly were in the uh, third fund generation. Current fund has a little bit above 200 million in, in volume. We started it just last year and we deployed between 500K and 5 million in the initial funding round. And we could follow up up to 20 million in, in total per company. Um, and what we're looking at, we are looking at deep tech B2B business. Um, so we are not really consumer driven, um, just because not that we don't like consumer, but we are not experienced with consumer, but we know how to sell to BMW, to Siemens and, and to other large corporates. We know how to shape, for instance, software projects um, to be um, enterprise grade. Um, and by the way, we also do a lot in mobility. So we know how to, to build new mobility services because we think that yeah, mobility is, is a huge part of our industry and obviously mobility is, is changing. Concerning the stage, we are really looking at early stage. So we also did already a couple of really concept paper investments, mm -hmm. but the typical investment we would do is uh, when you already have an MVP and maybe first experience with initial customers, meaning pilot projects. Okay, now when you look at a project, uh, that of course fits the the domain you've identified. You know what what do you look? What are you trying to uh, base your criteria to select uh, a, a project, but also to evaluate if a guy is really an entrepreneur? Uh, <laughs> um, that honestly, that's, that's always the, the, the most difficult questions. How, how how do you select your portfolio? Do you have sort of a catalog of criteria? We, we try to build such a catalog, but this is honestly is just not possible. So there are a, a sort of common criteria. So obviously we need to act in a market that's huge enough to support a huge exit. So typically you, you're talking about a market volume of at least a billion a year. Um, and um, you, you look obviously at the defendable business, but already here, what, what's defendable? Yes, if you have a patent, but if you do software business, basically patents are not really relevant. So what's defendable in software? So that's only afterwards, I would say your customer based, your marketing channels, and obviously the team you have, you have built. Um, so already there, it's, it's difficult. And, but, but yes, defendability is, 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 is a key question. The question is the sort of the defendability. So market size, defendability. Yeah. And um, third thing, and probably most important thing is obviously the team. Um, there you could also ask, um, what, what's a perfect team? And my answer is there's no perfect team, um, but you need to see some strengths. The first strength I would say is intelligence. People need to be really intelligent. Um, people need to be driven. So you have a couple of entrepreneurs who just say, well, I just want to have the entrepreneur experience and that's why I do it. And then you have other entrepreneurs who, who are hyper-focused on their technology or product and just want to make it a success. And, and I'm looking for this kind of people. Um, 
obviously you you would look for some diversity in the team by the way diversity also in terms of it would be lovely to have also women engaging into tech entrepreneurship we don't see this enough and i hope we will see this more in the future but also diversity in terms of skill set mm -hmm. so you typically need the technology person you need the sales guy and you probably also need the manager who holds it all together but it's if if you're lacking one of these competencies it's probably not a criteria not to invest. Now, can we stay on this? Because yeah. uh, a number of VCs, when we ask them a question, which is what you do when you step in and to add value, is actually impacting the key hires. So is this something that you do? Um, and, and I would say not only adding a key hire, but replacing a key hire. Have you been involved in situations which are like these? Um, unfortunately, yes. Um, so. Our strategy is not to replace the team because honestly, once you start replacing a team, you're already in trouble. And it's very, very hard to, to fix that from my experience. So our idea is more to educate the team, to come, become better at what they're doing and maybe to complement the team. But typically that works only if the team itself says, yes, we need another resource there. So we typically coach them to see the need, to understand the need, and to also see that it's, it's not at all critical to, to hire somebody into the management who is ideally better than the rest of the team because you always look for people who are better than yourself. Um, but we would only force that if we are in a critical situation and then it's typically one of the managers or one of the founders needs to be replaced by the way this is then often not really driven by us but also by the other founders okay more, more, more generally there's you know of course you are adding capital as to to a team but what would be the value that ubc would be adding beyond the capital yeah yeah um so it's always also a, a, a question and the, the typical venture capitalist now starts with, wow, I have a tremendous network and, and this and that. And yes, we are all having this, but maybe the, the highest value a venture capitalist can offer is, is way more basic. I would say we try to offer stability. Um, so, and stability goes in two, two directions. First of all, we just want to serve, and really mean serve in your board. So we want to do best for the company. We want to reflect with you your decisions. Are these the right decisions or not? We never take the decisions ourselves. You need to decide as an entrepreneur, but you need somebody to reflect and who has experience and who really takes the time to think about if this is this a good step for the company or is it not? And there's a lot you can do wrong in the early stages. So I think we, we definitely need to do this. And the second thing is, we are your friend when you're in trouble. So most people think that if I report bad numbers to a VC, that guy then turns crazy. Maybe other VCs do, I, I don't know. Um, but we, we, we always stay calm and we say, look, we go together through this. Just last year, I had, I had a situation where we put a lot of money into a company. They were focusing on one client project and that could have become tremendously huge. They were already investing from their self million to, to develop that kind of technology. And from one day to another, they had a management change at the client and the new manager just killed the project. And there were, was nothing we could do about this. 
And I mean, the, the, the management team was really, was really suffering. They, they said, now our company is killed. And that's the time where we step in, where we meet them bi-weekly and, and, and tell them, look, listen, yes, that's a problem. And we've done a couple of things wrong in the past. We should have developed more clients and whatever. But let's do an internal financing round. Still, we have a good technology. Let's find other markets. Let's find other clients. And you will see in one year from now, um, we will say we have learned a, a lot of this and our company is better. And by the way, it is today. Um, so, so that's, I think, where we can really add value. Yes, and we also bring network. We also have the Unternehmertum, which is really a great asset. I mean, that, that are more than 200 people only working for entrepreneurs, having each of them lots of knowledge, lots of network, lots of expertise in AI and building business in several industry. And that's what we are all, all bringing the backpack. And that's important, but I think the most important thing is um, steadiness and quality in the management of the company. There's a topic that we've discussed you know, a few times, which is the challenge of starting a business if you are in Munich, Bavaria, Germany. And we tend to uh, think of this by opposition to Silicon Valley, where you have a lot of early adopters talking in between themselves and being able to identify a number of the topics of tomorrow. And if you remember when internet started, one third of all email started, originated from Silicon Valley and went to Silicon Valley. So it's no wonder that a lot of ecosystem and, and new technology is coming here. So what are the, 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 the challenges or the opportunities of the entrepreneur in Munich, in Bavaria, in Germany, in Europe? Mm, so so I, I, I am generally speaking, very enthusiastic about Europe as the place for entrepreneurs, honestly. So yes, Silicon Valley is a couple of years ahead of us, no question. So there's more capital, there's a higher density of, of talent and everything. Um, but when you ask me, what do you need to start an entrepreneurial ecosystem? I would say you need a city really worth living in because Talented young people want to live in a great environment. Um, and the second thing is you need a certain um, um, density in talent, which typically affords a great university or great universities. And when you look at US, yes, there are a couple of those places, Silicon Valley, Boston area, New York, maybe a couple of others. But when I look at Europe, there are hundreds of those places. Yeah. yeah. There are really great cities with great histories, great people in it, excellent universities. Um, and so also the density of capital is growing. And by the way, especially due to Corona, um, the, the whole venture capital scene is, is way more international. So it's easy to also, or not easy, but it's possible to also acquire a large US fund for a German-based startup. Um, so looking at Munich, um, obviously you have a war for talent. All other large companies are trying to hire in Munich, so you will need to fight for this. And, and that's, that's always troublesome, but it's also troublesome in Silicon Valley or even more because also wages are way higher than Silicon Valley than, than here. Um, but other than this, I mean, you have Unternehmertum in Munich, you have great universities, you have other great entrepreneurship centers. 
you have lots of startups already you could talk to, you you, you have great founders you can win as business angels, the, the Flixbus guys or the Personio guys. And, and so, so there's already an ecosystem here where I believe you can really build a great venture. Okay. Just to conclude, do you have any recommendation for TUM students? Um, yeah, do it. So when, when I think about my career, um, everything went fine. I'm really happy where I am. But when I think back at the decision, should I study or should I build a company? Maybe building a company wouldn't also have been, wouldn't have led to disaster. Yeah? That, that, that could turn out right, quite well because you should trust yourself. You can really do it. And the people who, who really build billion value, uh, companies build, uh, valued at a, a billion dollars are just people like like you and me. Obviously, they are they are smart, but they're they're all, everybody cooks with water, so it's really doable. <laughs> I think we should leave it on here. <laughs> Thank you very much. Entrepreneur Relate is available on major podcast platform where you can find other inspiring presentations. Do subscribe if you like this podcast and want to hear more. Do give us a rating. Let your friend know about it, and we look forward to having you for more entrepreneurialities.